There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Django, I've given you one job. There are no podcasts out there covering Joby Yoki Peterson. I need you to find me one before the Republic gets their hands on it. Sir. I know just the guys. Except at one point it gets real to talk about laxatives. That'll have to do. What's their asking price? Tyrannus. They just ask for a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If the Mr. Mitchell History Podcast gets 65 Spotify ratings, they will let a subscriber choose the intro. Very well then. Let's learn about Queensland's more seriously. Gentlemen, Can. today we are looking at Joe Bioki Peterson. Not to be confused with Jordan Peterson. Yes. Not to be confused with <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Oh, gosh. Gosh. <laughs> Interestingly, if you hear Joe Bioki Peterson speak, he does sound like what Jordan Peterson would sound like if he was Australian. Really? Yes. Okay. Gosh. Um, like, yeah, he, nah. he has quite a memorable voice. All right. I'd like well, to hear it. Yeah, cue some, maybe for those listening along, cue some audio from, <laughs> from John Bioki. Oh, I'll put some in. Sorry, I keep calling Sorry. him John Bioki. Joe Bioki. <laughs> There's a guano in the museum if you want to see it. Just like that. He tried to swallow the porcupine. That's what they thought they could do with me. And it doesn't work. So, so he's Joe um, Bioki Peterson. <laughs> it's Bioki hyphen Peterson. Yeah. 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 Dutch. Danish. 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 Close. So. Well, good start. Yeah. <laughs> got his nationality going back <laughs> his name. So what do you know about Joe Bioki Peterson? Premier? Was he a Premier? He was Premier. Of Queensland? That is correct. Mm. I don't know if they had a reading challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I Look, the things I've heard about him uh, and his corruption, he probably wasn't too focused on uh, the reading challenge. But who knows? Maybe, maybe not. We touched on him on another episode. We he did. He played a part on the... Was it the golf one? It was the golf one. Way back when. What was his role there? Well, we'll, we'll kind he of cover that. Okay. Informant no spoilers. Crown. Not quite. No. But he was very instrumental in the mm. in takedown of golf Whitlam. So Danish. So his background's Danish. Parents are Danish. They migrated out to Queensland and they kind of had a farm in a place called Kingaroy, which is a little bit northwest of Brisbane. So kind of rural southeast Queensland. Bjorki Peterson grows up to be quite a successful peanut farmer. Wow. Much yeah. like President Jimmy Carter. His peanut butter really, was jelly it? time. <laughs> Sorry. Jimmy Carter was also a, a peanut farmer. That is correct. Wow. So if you're a peanut farmer listening, big things are waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? Um, do they come from the ground? Peanuts? Yes. Like a plant? Like a peanut plant? You're really stretching my knowledge yeah. of, of agriculture, agriculture here. Yeah, never I even considered that. I think that. my dad did an agriculture degree. I think they're like ground mm. born. I don't know then where they end up. I'm yeah, assuming yeah. in my head, I kind of have like watermelons. Peanuts from the like, trees. You kind of like plow your nuts. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so. Well, let us know. Yeah, if you, if you have any insight. So he goes, grows to be quite a successful peanut farmer. He then expands his business ventures to include flying. He 
drills for oil and he's basically built quite a business empire by the time of the 1940s. So fast forward to 1947 and he is quite keen to join the country party in Queensland. And the reason why you think might be thinking, well, he's kind of a, a really rich, by this point, he's a rich millionaire. Why would he go into politics when he's already so successful in his private ventures? Mm. It's not so much the Malcolm Turnbull thing of, well, I want to be the prime minister. Like there's not so much that as someone who had a rich agricultural background he was pretty peeved with the Labor Party he was in at the time for kind of restricting land clearing. And mm. he was like, no, 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 that's too much red tape. Let me plow as much forest in Queensland as I can because that then means I can grow more peanuts and kind of increase the scope of my business and grow my business even further. Hmm. So, so already just mm. sounds like a, a recipe for, for disaster. Well, one, one could construe it that way. One could also construe it that he's representing the common man, the average battler in Queensland. The average peanut mm. farmer in Queensland. I guess that's, that's uh, it. Yeah. The way that it's been presented to me is that he, he's gone in to try and to, to, for his own self-interest. To, to I, did, his... I did hang out there. I did very much set it up in one way and then couldn't <laughs> yeah. turn the table. <laughs> the sort of biased coverage we get here from Cam on this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, basically he gets into politics purely to kind of actually limit the role that government plays, particularly in regulating the environment. And he very much frames everything as it's the rural Queenslander versus the elite Brisbaner. Mm-hmm. And he kind of makes the argument that Brisbane isn't really Queensland. Brisbane is kind of its own. It's like kind of like New South Wales's embassy in Queensland. And he very much makes the argument mm-hmm. that true Queensland is found in the farms and not found in the urban areas. Yeah. I wonder if movie world fits into the <laughs> the Brisbane borders. That's, yeah. Where that's at. The Gold Coast. Yeah. I've never, I'd never been to the Gold Coast theme parks. You're, the GC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. If we want to do a, 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 a podcast trip, <laughs> we're going to need a few more patrons to, to get us there. Yeah. I think like a gold pass at like Wet n Wild is like 150 bucks or something. So mm, yeah, okay. we've, got, we've got a little while to go mm. for our patrons yeah. to get us there. So, Labor's in power when Joe Bjorki-Peterson gets his seat. He holds a seat called Nanango. Now, we often think as Queensland as kind of being the Texas of Australia, and that's kind of the, the reputation that they've had. But politically, that's not the case. So there was 2019 where they voted heavily liberal in the federal election. Sorry, sorry. So you're saying Queensland is the Texas that's Australia? the perception. Yep. That yep. kind of like it's the most backward part of Australia. Yep. And it has the most cons- conservative people. On a cultural level, that might be true, but politically, there was 2019 where they did vote Liberal in large droves, and that kind of confirmed the theory that people were running with. But if you look at the last state election, if you look at the 2022 federal election, if you look at the history of Queensland, the first ever Labor government in the world was found actually in Queensland in the late 1800s. So the first, like the Queensland colonial government was the first Labor government in the world. And historically, yes, it's got that kind of cultural conservatism, but it's actually got what we would call a lot of battlers and a lot of common Australians who typically vote Labor because mm. they're pro-workers' rights. And so a lot of Queenslanders worked in like the Bundaberg rum factory and oh, yeah. uh, they worked in the brewery there. And so <laughs> like if you kind of expand, you've got your, your Bundaberg, you've got your Emerald and you've got a lot of kind of regional towns in Queensland mm. like add like Mackay. There's plenty more I can add to that list. And a lot of Queenslanders were voting Labor during the first half of the 20th century. Bundaberg could be a good sponsor. (laughs) Again, another trip. Ginger beer. (laughs) (laughs) They do do good ginger beer, I might add. So basically, we fast forward all the way to the 1950s, particularly 1957. I think I briefly mentioned Labor left, Labor right. Mm. I might have in in the Gough Whitlam episode. For those that missed that one, essentially there's two big factions in Labor today. They're not particularly ideological right now, but they have a history of being ideological. Uh, Labor left was basically, let's not be really hawkish in the Cold War. Labor right was, we need to distance ourselves from kind of communism as much as we as much as we can. The premier of Queensland at the time, his name was Vince Gare. He was a Labor right guy. And so Vince Gare basically kind of threw his weight behind something that was called industrial groups. They were kind of like rebels to, like kind of rebel unions that were set up specifically designed to be anti-communist and make it really clear that they were anti-communist. 
And so he kind of threw his weight behind the industrial groups. And so then Labor toppled him and Labor actually expelled him from the party. Pretty bold move in mm. to not just knife your leader, to then expel him from the party. So in the 1957 election, the country party, so I should have, I said the nationals before, I should have been more specific. They weren't called the nationals yet. They were called the country party. And in 1957, the country party comes to power. So firstly, it's a guy called Frank Nicklin and he's in for about a decade or even over a decade. So he's in from 57 to 68. He resigns at the beginning of 68. And then Joe Bioki Peterson's his, his deputy. And then he's succeeded by a guy called Jack Pizzi, but Jack Pizzi dies in office. Oh. Now, when it comes to the federal coalition, which one is the, the, to use the suits language, which one is the senior partner, so to speak? The liberals, right? That's correct. So the conventional deal, and same for New South Wales, is that for the LMP, the liberals get the leadership and the nationals get the deputy leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, remember when Barnaby Joyce had to resign after the Vicky Campion affair became public. Mm-hmm. So again, he resigned from deputy from being deputy prime minister mm. and Malcolm Turnbull was kind of calling for him to be fired, but that was actually a national party decision rather than the Liberal Party's decision because they're technically mm. different parties, but together they form a coalition and an alliance to vote together in an election. Why would the mm. Liberal Party have seniority in that context? Because more people vote for them. So that would mean they have... Majority. Yeah, more seats. More seats. So in Queensland, the dynamic was reversed and the country party was the senior party in the coalition. Interesting. So the premiership was given to the country party rather than the Liberal Party. And the Liberal Party got the deputy premiership. So it's kind of a reversal of, of, of that coalition there. So when when, when Pizzi dies, Joe Bioki-Peterson should be the next in line to be the leader because he was the deputy leader of the country party. But a lot of the coalition were quite worried about Joe Bioki peterson being the face of the party because he's this okay. super conservative guy that's really supportive of land clearing and at, at kind of huge rates. And a lot of people, though the kind of green movement isn't in its full force, it is the 1960s and there is becoming an increasing awareness of kind of the environmental effects of doing large amounts of land clearing, particularly on things like, like native biodiversity. So... The coalition's kind of thinking, this guy can't be the face of our party and it's quite risky. And so they contemplate putting the Liberals actually in as the leader and having a Liberal leader. But Joe Bioki peterson kind of hits the nuclear button. Any member in the coalition always has this power that can always derail the other party as they can threaten to end the coalition. Mm. So John Barillaro threatened to do it to Gladys over the Koala Bill. Remember back in, I think it was yeah, 20, 20, 2021. Mm. So that's always the button that the that the the, that the junior party has. Bjorki Peterson was playing that as the senior partner. And he was saying, if you don't have me as the premier, we are withdrawing our support for the coalition. And it will just be the Liberal Party, the Country Party and the Labor Party, all acting as three independent parties. Yep. Your move. And so the coalition backs down. And in 1968... Joe Bioki peterson becomes the Premier of Queensland. Wow. That's real kind of like, if you don't play by my rules, I'm taking my ball and going home. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not out. I'm not out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was Lions. Yeah. What are you going to do about <laughs> ball my rules? Yeah. And so, 68, Peterson comes to power. What are you doing here? We belong in different universes. Well, Peter, or should I say Spinnerman, I can ask the same thing to you. But I am from Ipswich and you're from Redcliffe. Why are we at the same voting booth? You really don't get out of the Commander works, do you? No, but I do understand that the Mr. Mitchell Petrine is just a dollar fifty a month. Now, if I were to ask you what gerrymandering is, does that ring any bells uh, at all? Gerrymandering. Gerrymandering. Sounds like a person. <laughs> but like, is it an action? Like I'm thinking like Jerry Smith from Rick and Morty. Uh, that was my th- the first Jerry that came to my mind. Okay. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does ring a bell. I can't remember what it is. So essentially everyone does it and it's not unique to either party, but Bjorki Peterson took it to an extreme that we've probably never really seen in Australia before or since. It's when you reorder electorates so that Basically, it favors you at the elections. Mm. So you kind of redesign the electorate so that you can either stack an electorate with people who you think are going to vote for you or 
so that you kind of cram heaps of people that you know won't vote for you into the one electorate and water down their power. And so that gerrymandering has been around since the beginning of kind of organized democracy. Labor did it first in Queensland. And in 1949, Joe Bjorki Peterson went on record saying, Labor's basically saying, whether you like it or not, we will be the government. So he's clearly expressed, oh, punch my. He's clearly expressed moral outrage at the idea of gerrymandering. When he comes to power, it kind of reaches an extreme never seen before. Now, in 1969, that's the first election he was facing. Gerrymandering wasn't so bad. It was pretty stock standard gerrymandering for the time, but it was still pretty substantial. So if you're Bjorki Peterson, how are you going to reorder the electorates? What are you going to do? Well, it would it'd be much the same as what you just explained, right? You stack the, the Labor voters in one go so they can just control a handful of seats, but not a significant amount. So where would you divide? Where would you try and separate into whole new seats and give new seats to? Do you want, do you want to put like sort of really control Brisbane's power? We don't, there is sort of this anti-Brisbane kind of yep. kind of vibe we got from earlier. Give them as little electorates as possible and yep. have them as overcrowded yep. as possible. Yep. And then where would you see, kind of see. split all the different electorates? Where would you try and break them down into even smaller geographically rather maybe than just like a like a per peanut farm electric kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably how i'd do it townsville <laughs> <laughs> no townsville is actually labor territory so yeah basically give the farms as much voting power as possible and so what mm. actually ended up happening was basically urban electorates would have three times the amount of people in them as, as rural electorates which meant they were watered down to have one third of the voting power so i thought didn't electorates have to have a very similar amount of people? They're supposed to. Yeah. And that's the general guiding principle. But mm-hmm. there is no hard and fast rule as to how many people constitute an electorate. Because the theory behind nice. it is the same thing as the American Electoral College. The theory behind it is like, is, this is kind of quite a Republican talking point. People often ask, because the Democrats have recently have been winning the primary vote in, in all the recent elections. Yeah, we have 2016 where Hillary Clinton got more votes than Trump but Trump won the election because he won the electoral college. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, why, why isn't it just a popular vote? Mm-hmm. And the argument that Republicans put forward is that 51% of the population don't control the other 49% that are very culturally different. So it's not going to be an entirely even democracy. And we want to have it so that everyone gets a voice and that your voice isn't watered down just because you're a different cultural group. So say you're a rural person rather than an urban person. And so that's kind of the theory behind it. So basically the, the rural seats become much more thinly concentrated and the urban seats are kind of stacked with lots of people to water down the vote. Here's just some stats in the 1969 election. Mm. So Labor won 44% of all votes. So they got 44% on the popular vote, mm. only got 39% of the seats. Wow. Liberal Party got 23% of the popular vote and picked up 24% of the seats. Mm-hmm. The country party picked up 23% of the votes on a popular vote and won 33% of seats. Yeah, well, seems undemocratic. <laughs> so, and that's, and again, this, this is, this is the other talking point that Republicans bring Democrat. up in America. Republicans will often say we're a Republic, not a democracy. And so we don't pursue democracy in its purest form. We actually have a Republic where everyone gets a say regardless and we empower voices that might be weaker and and a minority in a country it's actually quite a woke talking point if you think about it Mm, yeah but it's coming from very unrepublican yeah yeah exactly like technically really republican with a small lr but very unrepublican with a capital r you kind of follow and so 1972 it gets even more extreme so labor's popular vote goes up between 69 and 72 so labor's popular vote in 1972 is 47 percent they pick up 40% of the seats. The country party picks up 20% of the votes. They lose actually popular votes, but they go up 31% of the seats. And so wow. it's this completely inequitable system where urban votes are completely outranked. Mm. And so basically... How's that allowed? Well, who's going to... They're the yeah, government. Like there's no rule, so... Yeah. It just... Seems like there should be a rule. Yeah. <laughs> but like, well, again, like because of population change... Like, I don't know, let's just take the Shire, for example, we're recording this. Our population's exploded in the last five years, mainly because we've got a mayor that kind of allows pretty dodgy (laughs) (laughs) zoning laws. (laughs) But hey, that's a topic for another day. And so theoretically, right, we should probably have reordering for the next election where Hughes and Cook get to, and you add Banks going into St. George, 
when those three electorates get divided up a little bit to try and make it a little bit more even. Mm. So we do need to have electoral redivision, but yeah, exactly. Like you can then just run with it and completely yeah. tailor it to your own needs. And every every party does this. This isn't a national party specific issue. It was just Bjorki Peterson did it in a much more extreme manner than anyone has done before in Australia. And so 72, he does what he does is in between 69 and 72, there were three electoral divisions. There was urban, so Brisbane, regional, like Mackay, and then rural, which was Kingaroy. You add what Bjorki Peterson does is he adds a fourth category and he calls them remote because there's a difference between rural and remote. So let's just use New South Wales towns, for example. Mm. Let's let's have a crack. Let's have a go. So mm. I reckon. So rural, obviously. Let's let's by just say Sydney. Knowing them feels like it would rural been Sydney. No, did I say that? I, I uh, meant uh, uh, urban. Urban, sorry, Sydney, um, Newcastle. No, Newcastle's still a yeah. Yeah, Newcastle's still, still urban. urban. Yeah, we could say urban. Rural. Um, so you go regional somewhere like Port Macquarie, regional. Port Mac. Yep, yep. So then, rural would be like. Are we talking mm. like Cobar? Do you reckon? Do you reckon like Orange is Orange. rural or is that still regional? That's probably moving more to the rural category. Yeah, but so, probably still too big. Um, so I think like 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 Bathurst, Bathurst yeah. and Orange, yeah, probably are in between those two categories. And again, apologies for all our non-New South Wales I believe We just completely a, hijacked it to talk about our point of reference. I believe there's a small town in New South Wales called Tottenham. Um, yes. Yeah. Like a, I think that might even be remote, but definitely rural. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sure about Tottenham. But yeah, there's well, the one I was thinking was Aberdeen. If, if it's got a name of like an English or a Scottish yeah. town that <laughs> hasn't made it into the mainstream New South Wales mm. kind of vernacular, then they're probably rural. Uh, remote would be a place like Lightning Ridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Armadale, that'd be oh, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's on the rural that's regional. Almost, yeah, 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 almost. Yeah. That's probably regional. Right? It's got a GPS school. Like, how can yeah. You sure, sure, sure. True. Only one outside of Sydney in New South Wales. Yes. Yeah. 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 Trivia for you. Mm. So, Hill. so what Bjorki Peterson does is he's like, we need to empower the remote voice because <laughs> the remote voice is getting screwed over. They weren't, but that was Bjorki Peterson's argument. So we need to make sure that we, when we reorder our electorates, we are empowering the remote vote. And obviously a remote person is going to vote for Peterson because they're farmers who want to have as much land clearing as possible so they can build their farms to be as big as possible. And so from in 72, that's when it gets completely ridiculous. The issue with the Bjorkimander as well as it became known was it actually, it hurt someone more than Labor. It hurt the Libs more than Labor because where do Liberals get their seats? urban areas that's that's prime time liberal territory the burbs like that's mm. supposed to be the land of the libs and Bjorki peterson completely removes their vote by watering down the concentration of urban votes and so he, in his first five years or so he actually concentrates power just through reordering the electorates and this pretty much secures his long-term viability because it doesn't matter how unpopular Bjorki peterson gets and again he won the election in 72 with 20% of the popular vote voting for his party. Yeah, that's that, wild. That is insane. And so he'd just be like, you, that, I'm, I'm the boss and there is nothing that anyone can do about it. Yeah. Mm. Like you said, my ball, my rules. Like, mm. um, so, and then they're obviously only in power, right? Because of the, having the coalition. Yeah. In that. They still, neither, they still, they still neither party, the like the Labor Party still beats both of them, but because of the coalition, they. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. So he does some other things that help him concentrate power. So 1972, the Springboks come out to play a game of rugby, an exhibition series in Australia. Mm-hmm. And the 70s is obviously, as we discussed with the Gaddafi episode, the kind of Globe's perception of South Africa is a really controversial issue because mm-hmm. the Globe's pretty heavily now anti-apartheid. Because the 60s, we've gone through the civil rights movement in the USA. We've had our own civil rights movement in the 60s with indigenous rights. And so there's a lot of backlash now against the apartheid regime in South Africa. So there was lots of protesting when the Springboks were coming out to Australia. So lots of protesting in Melbourne and Sydney. And so what Bjorki Peterson does is he declares a state of emergency (laughs) to deal with potential protesters that are non-existent so far. So it's a preemptive state of emergency so that the Springboks can come and play. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't Suncorp Stadium because it was too big. Lang Park. 
Well, it was played. It could be. It was, Langpark actually does sound right. Mm. It was played behind closed doors. And so they uh-huh. had 7,000, like literally barbed wire was put up <laughs> and 7,000 people could come and watch. And so the point is with state of emergency, police basically had unfettered power to suppress protesters, however they may have looked. And what was um what did Bjorki Peterson even want with the the Springboks? Is it just just loved his rugby? Yeah. Like, is there a reason he? No, the, probably the the, well, the the more likely reason was that he wanted to then actually assert himself with power and actually do something to create an image for himself as the leader of of Queensland. So it's a it's a it's kind of half imagery, so half like I'm acting decisively. And again, like a lot of people are in a state of panic and they're like, this is a strong guy who is standing up and yeah. is making sure that we can actually go to the rugby safely. Mm. Probably it would have been more effective if he did it for league because it's Queensland. Yeah. yeah. Rugby union. It's not a very, you know, it's not the common man game, right? It's no, not no, the no. farmer's game. <laughs> but it might, it was much more <laughs> Maybe back different then. Yeah, sure. that okay. time. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And Wally, Wally Lewis was yet to come onto the scene. No. So they hadn't really kind of wrapped rugby league by the horns the way they would in the 80s. But essentially, that's half the reason his image. And then the other half is he kind of gains the loyalty of the police because the police have all these increased powers. And this is then the beginning of the police being extremely corrupt in Queensland. And this is kind of where we can trace the beginnings of that. There's always been corruption in both New South Wales and Queensland police, but they kind of get really empowered after the Springboks game. Because Bjorki Peterson has basically given them the green light to do whatever they want. So there was a case where a hippie commune was burned down in North Queensland. And basically the the police burned them down because they suspected that they were growing cannabis there. They weren't. They were just hippies. They probably, I assume they were taking it, but they weren't growing it there. And so kind of media reports went to Bjorki Peterson and said, you know, shouldn't we have a commission into this? This is literally police going friendly Geordies on this <laughs> or sorry, going whoever did it to friendly Geordies uh, to this hippie commune. Shouldn't there be an investigation into this at least to look at misconduct? And Bjorki Peterson said, <laughs> no, this is some leftist attempt to try and legalize marijuana. I'm not going to have that wokeness. He didn't use the word wokeness, obviously. I'm not going to have that wokeness enter my state. And so he refused to even follow up on a commission to investigate the police because- According to him, it was an attempt to legalize marijuana. Well, it actually was. It was an alliance between Bjorki Peterson and the police where they kind of served each other's ends. So the police would kind of be the almost private militia of Bjorki Peterson. They would go and suppress rallies quite often. There was much less protesting rights in actuality in Queensland than there were in New South Wales and South Australia and Victoria. And this was the beginning of an alliance that would actually ruin Queensland in the 1980s. And they are still recovering from today. And its system is still having to adapt to the corruption that could could enter Queensland because of that unholy alliance. I will add this as well. Bjorki Peterson had a fair few conflicts of interest that raised some eyebrows. (laughs) So he owned shares in oil companies and then his government would decide if those oil companies got permits to drill in, say, the Great Barrier Reef or not. Yeah, it doesn't really get more insider trading than that. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, when asked about it, Bjorki Peterson would often use this phrase, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Nothing. Don't need to worry <laughs> well, about it. Well, you're right. You heard the man. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. And so... That's right. None of their business, really. <laughs> and then he... So he kind of... After a lot of pressure, he kind of sold a lot of his shares. And then his wife, Florence, just bought shares in the same <laughs> companies just. and frequently drilled. Um, so mm. she basically owned shares in mining companies. And again, the Bjorki Peterson government were responsible for giving huge mining leases in Queensland for, for, for minerals. And so... Florence Bjorki Peterson. Wow. Flobo. Flo- Flo- <laughs> She only died like five years ago. She's huh? yeah, crazy. Life well lived, funded by her Affluent. insider trading. Well, perhaps. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> Sorry, not not throwing around any. You don't need to worry about that, Ben. <laughs> oh, you're right. Sorry, I was beginning to worry about it, but no, no need. <laughs> so yeah, the the corruption was pretty rampant, and his cabinet was filled with the same thing. So all his cabinet members, and we're going to see the extent to which corruption reached his cabinet in the 80s, but in the 70s, there were just huge conflicts of interest that really should disqualify you 
from like if you can't be a dual citizen because that might compromise your commitment to your country then really owning shares in companies that you deal with frequently is a far bigger conflict of interest right. for my it, liking. It's not even a conflict. It's just a crime. It's right? inside trade, yeah. <laughs> so my brother who works for the ASX is, I always try and hit him up about shares and he's airtight. He's like, I can't give you anything because yeah. he works for, he does security and he, he, he looks at insider trading. That's his job. Mm-hmm. And you became the very thing you swore to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> the premier's wife. They're very is, strict about that, aren't they? Well, yeah, your brother trading. can't trade yeah. on the ASX, can he? Oh, surely not. Yeah, I think I remember chatting with him about it and he said he can't. But oh, like, as in my brother? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, so no, he has he to can't. trade yes. overseas. Yes, um, exactly. So he does yeah. all this American trading instead. But like, who would know if you were told? I guess so. And oh, like, could have gone. Yeah, I see, I see. To be honest, the thing tax. about insider trading that often goes unsaid is you've got to read it, reach a certain cap before they start actually mm. following you up. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I know another guy who works with my brother and he was saying that he found... I know the familiar link's going to be a bit long here, but he found his girlfriend's sister's boyfriend's dad. You follow my link there. Mm-hmm. So girlfriend's sister's boyfriend's dad, insider trading on the stock market. And like, basically it was like, yeah, we've got him red-handed here, but they're not at the threshold that we're going to go after him. Yeah, and so sweet. family dinner, well, you just stay up. Yeah. he was at the family dinner with yeah. the insider trader. And he was like, I could have you in cuffs pretty much yeah, right wow. now if we wanted to. Yeah, that is power. Might've been a little... <laughs> Little tents around the uh, around the ravioli there. <laughs> <laughs> so the seventies was pretty bad. The eighties it gets significantly worse. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live, from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Senate is in crisis. Joe B. Okay Peterson has left for federal office and now Senator Amadala. Sorry, sir. I'm going to have to interrupt you there. The Fitzgerald inquiry is investigating us and now I am no longer at liberty to comment on the situation. But you don't need to worry about that. Stuff you, Padme. I want to learn about the downfall of Joe, and also about PY packing 2008 Canberra Raiders William Zillman on the Patreon exclusive. So we're going to fast forward all the way to 1983, and the Liberal Party has basically been completely cannibalized by the country party. It is worth adding by now, they are now no longer the country party, they now are the national party. Mm. And one of the things that Joe Bjorki Peterson did was, because he was this kind of country bumpkin who was this obvious hillbilly that wouldn't cut the mustard as kind of a premier who again he sounds like an australian jordan peterson he's not the guy you want on cameras all the time and by the the way when i say australian jordan peterson just the way he sounds nothing in terms of his ability (laughs) jordan peterson can articulate himself significantly better than (laughs) joe peterson could and so he got media training for about a decade by a guy called alan callahan who used to write for the abc and callahan said hey what you should do is you get rid of the country party because you're going to get no votes in regional areas we think you can actually make ground in regional areas if you just call yourself the Nationals and ditch the country party. So they mm. they now are the Nationals. Smart move. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 clearly, <laughs> clearly, right? Mm. That's that's a that's a pretty wise move to go. And Bjorki Peterson took him up on that offer. And by 1983, the Nationals have completely cannibalized the Liberal Party's vote. And what the Liberals do is they axe its leader, a guy called Lou Edwards, and they put in this really anti- National Party's guy who's going to take the fight to the National Party is a guy called Terry White. Terry White chemist? He, he, <laughs> no, 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 Ben, your grimace is, is, is misplaced. It is Terry White from Terry White chemist. They are the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time you needed that laxative. That's the, <laughs> I, I really want to tell this story. So we have a mutual friend who, 
is on a laxative and he was going to New Zealand and he was really embarrassed about his friends finding out about his laxative. So what he did is he put it in a container, but laxatives are white powder. <laughs> Do you know about this? I don't know this Yeah, story. I was going to say, oh. like, you're just telling more friends now. Yeah. <laughs> so now, yeah, now the whole world. So yeah, I believe, I believe you know this story. You know the person I'm talking about? I could have a guess. Okay, yeah, okay. So we, might, we might save... We, we would do names if it was the Patreon special. Yeah. But so he's put all this white powder into, into a container <laughs> and he, he gets to customs and clearly, right, customs pull out this container with white powder. That's like, of course they're going to do that. And so they stop him and like, sir, you got to tell us what's in this. And he is so far committed to his mates not finding out about it that he goes... No, I don't know what he is. <laughs> 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 he gets he gets hauled off. I don't know what he- and then he pull, obviously pulls out. He's like, no, 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 it's a laxative. It's a laxative. And so they, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they actually have to like test it and get the mm. sniffer dog out. Yeah. And so his mates are looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> and all because he was too embarrassed to declare he had a laxative. He's literally declared it now to the entire crowd around him. <laughs> yeah. so he shouts out, no, it's a laxative. He took that so far. <laughs> oh my gosh. When we were finished recording, I can tell you who, who that was. I look forward to that. <laughs> so anyway, it is that Terry White. And the Terry White chemist was the Liberal Party leader from 1983 onwards. You and ca- so you, you called him Terry White chemist. Like, yeah. <laughs> you said Terry White chemist was the was liberal party. Was he a pharmacist before his yeah. political career? Okay. And I believe yeah. that fueled some of his political ambitions was mm. kind of creating new laws around pharmaceuticals. Vaccines. And so <laughs> he takes the fight to the national party and he's this really anti-nationals guy. Mm. So Bjergi Peterson, what Bjergi Peterson does is he's like, I'm not putting a liberal as the deputy premier. And we're like, we will break up the coalition if he becomes your leader because we're not having him as the deputy premier. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the liberals are like, all right, then we'll, we'll kind of take our chances. So Bjorki Peterson then goes in to the election without a coalition government and he's just running on the country party. This is the same party that picked up just 20% of the vote in 1972. Mm-hmm. They go to the election and he picks up 50% of the seats. I'm not sure how what percentage of the popular vote it was for that election. How what percentage do you need to govern? Fifty-one. Fifty-one. So he falls one short. You're so close. Yeah, he just needs one more seat to have government. And so the Liberal Party, they are now down to eight seats. In a I believe Parliament is made up of eighty-eight, if I'm not mistaken, in that at that time. And so the Liberal Party now just have eight out of eighty-eight seats. And so what Bjorki Peterson does, it's truly Machiavellian and it's fantastic entertainment. He, in front of them all, basically says, if anyone defects, I'll give you a cabinet post. So if you join the National Party, <laughs> you get a cabinet position. Two of them cross the floor and they now join the National Party. Wow. And so liberals have just been decimated. And I made a video about Bjorki Peterson. I kind of likened it. You know that? Seen in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two, if I'm not mistaken, where Draco Malfoy kind of crosses the floor and Voldemort gives mm. him that very awkward hug. Yes, yes, I do. Um, yeah, I believe that is a good image. <laughs> <laughs> and so now Bjorki Peterson does not need the Liberal Party. And the Liberal Party has basically been cast away. Now, if the Liberals were smart and if they kind of swallowed their pride here, they would have joined with Labour. Just be like, right, party alliances aside, this is war. We will form a temporary alliance with you to take down Bjorki Peterson. The reason why they couldn't do that yeah. was because at the federal level, because everything that happens at state level has implications at the federal, and they try and keep a uniform policy in both state and federal parliament. Federal level in the 80s, who's in? Hawk. Hawkey. Yeah. And it Hawkey is building this unbreakable Labor government. Hawkey has... Mm. unparalleled popularity yeah for the last 50 years he's probably the most popular prime minister we've had in the last 50 years maybe john howard would be a a second but hawkey was the most popular Give people a day off when australia does well in a sailing competition (laughs) (laughs) and so the liberal party 
are basically like they are furious and federal liberals kind of like got to take one for the team here. You cannot form with Labor. We cannot give them any more power because we're trying to take them down on the federal level. Mm. And so the Queensland Libs are kind of left to grit their teeth and they are in a completely powerless position. Terry White probably goes back and builds more Terry White chemists and (laughs) tries to build his empire that way. Clive Palmer was actually a national Queensland National Party guy at the time. Wow. CP. The the cinematic universe expands. <laughs> yes. And there's a great interview, actually. If you look, just look up Clive Palmer, 1980s, it should be first search result. He gets interviewed in 1986, if I'm not mistaken, about the kind of rivalry that's going on. And he pipes up and basically says, so do you want to, like the word crony, but kind of like using government to dish out to kind of the highest 1% and, and big corporations. Mm-hmm. And so using your position of power to favor big corporations. So he gets called a crony by the Liberal Party. And there's a great interview where he's like, that is just propaganda. The Liberal Party hates us and they want to take us down. And so this is the the biggest coalition war we've probably seen. Mm. And the Liberal Party and the country party, or now the National Party, are now pretty much divorced. So fast forward all the way to 1987. And basically, Joe Bjorki-Peterson decides the 22, the two decades in, in government isn't enough for him. He needs to try and run for prime minister. Wow. And so he goes on to try and make that make that move. Like Ron DeSantis going from Florida governor to, to president. Oh. Probably. I don't, but he's, he's, my, he's my pick to win at the next election. Florida DeSantis is your... So, yeah, Ron DeSantis. Ronda, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Alligators. But anyway, so, so he makes a run and he launches the Joe for PM campaign. And basically, he goes to the federal coalition and he's like, hey, guys, have what you should do is you should have the National Party be the senior party at the federal level and have me as the leader of the National Party mm. and we will take down the Labor Party. Mm. Do you know who the Liberal Party leader is during that era? No. It's John Howard. Mm. Wow. But so John Howard has two stints as, as the Liberal leader. So he, he, he eventually loses because he loses too many elections in a row they kind of get rid of him and then he doesn't come back until after the early 1990s and so it's why his biography is called Lazarus Rising and so so John Howard's like no way this is like Liberal Party is a senior partner we're not doing this sort of deal Bjorki Peterson he contemplates kind of having a renegade party and having the nationals break like a federal coalition the reason why Yoki Peterson ran is property developers were really supportive of him running. And the reason why property developers were really supportive of him running and he had a lot of property developer support was the Hawke Keating government expanded social housing. And so what that did was that created less demand for housing because the government was providing a lot of housing. So if you're building these kind of big sets of townhouses and then renting them out for heaps of money or selling them for heaps of money, because there's less demand, the price of those go lower. Yeah, And so... The property developing industry throw their weight behind Bjorki Peterson for prime minister. You can't be prime minister and premier at the same time. So Bjorki Peterson takes a temporary leave of absence and instead a guy called Bill Gunn, the deputy premier, well, he becomes the acting premier. And so this is where everything starts going down and starts getting serious. So when Bill Gunn is the premier of Queensland, ABC Four Corners run a report and they, they, they actually run a news piece. ABC, worlds apart under Labor than under Liberals. I don't want to turn to friendly Geordies here because the because the Liberal Party will always threaten to cut their funding, whereas the Labor Party yeah. never threatens to cut their funding. So they always kind of suck up to the Liberal Party in those in those key moments. Mm-hmm. So federal government mm-hmm. is Hawke Keating and the ABC in the 80s is actually a, a pretty good news outlet, probably the best we have in mainstream media. And so they run a story on the Bjorki Peterson government, specifically the police. And they run a story that reveals that some prostitution rings have deals with the Queensland police where the Queensland police will not prosecute them. Often the cops will attend those brothels and there's a deal where the brothels offer up one prostitute a month and in return, the police refuse to prosecute them and the police will then prosecute their competition to give them a monopoly of power. And by offer up, I mean offer up for being arrested so that the police can give the appearance of cracking down on the sex industry. And so mm. ABC Four Corners runs this news piece and it makes national national headlines. It's a huge news piece because this is as blatant as corruption can get in a state. 
So what happens from here is pressure grows on Bill Gunn to launch an investigation and to launch a commission into the Queensland police. Because if this is true, then what else is going on? And the Queensland police have acted with near impunity ever since Peterson came to power. So Bill Gunn allows for a commission to kind of investigate the police. Initially, they were thinking of running a guy called Ian Callanan. Funny fact, Hmm. he was Andrew Eddinghausen's lawyer. E.T. Wow. Wait, what did E.T. need a lawyer for? Uh, I'm not sure. I just saw it on his Wikipedia. I went through his Wikipedia page and it was like, like they had like a notable clients, kind of like a filmography section. Yeah. And Andrew Eddinghausen was on that list. I was like, whoa, wow. I guess, yeah, rugby league player. Good to just have a lawyer in the background. But be heaps of sports, like heaps of sports law stuff. True. Signing big contracts, yeah. But Ian Callanan is too closely connected with the National Party. So he actually declines and he instead refers a guy called Tony Fitzgerald. So this is the guy to oversee the commission, is that? Yeah, exactly. And to do the investigating. So he refers a guy, Tony Fitzgerald, instead. And he becomes the leader. And this became known as the Fitzgerald Commission. And for anyone who studied anything of criminology in Australia, this is kind of like what you do in your first semester is you actually look at the Fitzgerald Commission because it's the biggest instance of addressing criminal corruption that we've had in in our country ever. Mm. And the 80s is the beginning of actually state parliament taking action against corruption. Because state parliament, corruption is way easier because there's way less scrutiny. Mm. Very few people actually know their local MP for state parliament. Mm -hmm. And so it's so easy to fly under the radar. And actually it's easier to do corruption there because that's where you're dealing with local governments that are kind of an arm of the state government. They're not independent. They're an arm of the state government. And so it's very easy for things like zoning laws and that sort of thing. And just police, because police is state government, it's very easy to get away with corruption. And so in the 80s, that's when New South Wales is taking steps towards having ICAC and Victoria would still be a little way off IBAC and Queensland would still be a little way off, off their kind of corruption commission. We're now getting national news on state corruption for probably the first time ever. And so the Fitzgerald Commission, it was designed only to be two weeks. It ended up lasting 238 days. Tony Fitzgerald was receiving death threats throughout the whole process. And there were 339 witnesses who gave testimony during the Fitzgerald Commission. The report was pretty damning. So I'll just go through some of the key people who were, were put up for, for prosecution. So Leisha Harvey, she was Bjorki Peterson's health minister. She was found guilty of misappropriating $42,000 of taxpayer money and basically pocketing it and writing it off as kind of a government expense. Damn. 42K. Leisha. A lot of money back then. Yeah, what are, what are we doing with 42K? <laughs> uh, How would you spend your 42K, Jake? A lot of wet and wild passes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Gold Coast trips, especially if you're yeah. already there. This is true. Yep, I'm, I'm content with that. Off we go. <laughs> Don Lane, transport minister, guilty of the same crime. I believe his was a little bit lower. I don't have the stats with me. I think it was somewhere between ten dollars and $20,000 that he pocketed. What he was accused of was he was actually accused of taking bribes, but that one didn't result in a guilty conviction. But there were allegations and Tony Fitzgerald recommended a prosecution for him uh, and for taking bribes. Alan Callahan, So not Ian Callanan. Mm-hmm. Ian Callanan's the lawyer that passed mm-hmm. to Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Alan Callahan was the press secretary that we spoke about before that said, Let's, here's how you can yeah. brush up your image. Yeah. He is found guilty of the exact same crime. So misappropriating government money, he goes to jail. I think he was in jail for about two years, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Where it gets really serious, Terry Lewis. Not Terry White. Yeah, no, Terry. Terry Terry Lewis. He was the police commissioner. Okay. He was found guilty of taking $700,000 in bribes. Oh, my (laughs) word. From casinos and from brothels. Yeah, mental. 10 years in jail for him. Yeah. Like, Ironic. I think that was pretty um, white, if you yeah. ask me. Mm-hmm. Like that that is like police commissioner yeah. pocketing seven hundred thousand. Over that's what? What do you reckon that is in today's money? A couple uh, million, a surely. Yeah. Oh yeah, keep clear, clear a mill, no, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Like that that that's nuts. And again, how do you get that money? You can't transfer it by card. It's all brown paper bag. Mm. And the bag man, like Terry Lewis's bag man, was the one, one of the people who gave key testimony. Yeah. So basically, Tony Fitzgerald went to him and was like, we've got you. 
like we've got all the evidence for you, mm. but if you testify against your boss, we'll kind of let you off. And so he does it. And he points the finger right at Terry Lewis. And yeah, Terry, the, Terry Lewis wasn't naive to what was going on. Uh, he was kind of the cheat. He was the leader of, of the corruption ring. Mm. Yeah. And so you've got this really unholy alliance between the brothels and between the police. Yeah. And so, yeah, like that's that's really terrible. Mm. How can the police get to that point? Well, you can probably look back to that Springboks game. Yeah, they're yeah. given unfettered power, and they know that Bjorki Peterson's going to do nothing. It's like, yeah, if they overstep the mark. So, really interesting. Bjorki Peterson himself, he gets put on trial for perjury. They can't yeah. get him on corruption. And oh. again. <sighs> Bjorki okay. Peterson, like he, like he wouldn't need the, like he wouldn't. I, I would. I'm very comfortable saying Bjorki Peterson. I'm sure wasn't pocketing brown paper bags of money. He didn't need to. He had this okay. business empire, and again, he, but he just, he's using like the government as a source to, I guess, improve his business empire. Yeah, and improve his portfolio exactly. So that the corruption is taking that form. So, but that that at that point, it was nothing criminal about a public officer or a public member for parliament having shares in a portfolio that would be seen as being at a conflict of interest with neutral government decision. So the illegal corruption, like the stuff that the police were doing, brown paper bags. So again, this, the corruption had to be so blatant to get put in court for it. You get away with so many different back channels. So Bjorki Peterson, they they don't get him on that, but they do get him on perjury because in his testimony that he gives is he actually lies to the Fitzgerald Commission on a number of occasions about not knowing about things, about the way that he kind of spoke to the police commissioner. He denied that he had any knowledge that the police commissioner was crooked, but the police commissioner was, was picked out of relative obscurity. He wasn't in naturally in line for the job. Terry Lewis wasn't supposed okay, yeah. So he was kind of like a pretty left field pick. Again, imagine like, I don't know, Mitch Swepson becomes the Australian cricket captain. Yeah. Something's got something's got Something. to be off there. And so he gets put on trial for perjury. That story gets better though. His Someone, prime ministership run has um has Yes, been that is well and true. He's lost yeah. like that's pretty much ended his his, his <laughs> Joe for PM campaign. Where it gets better is at his trial, the jury foreman, so the person that kind of like basically is running the show with the jury and basically saying, mm-hmm. So how are we voting mm-hmm. and reporting back to the court and how the jury votes? It's a young national. <laughs> it's a guy called Luke Shaw, spelt exactly the same as as centre back slash left back Luke Shaw. And again, imagine Barclay McGann. Yeah, it was the first first person to my mind <laughs> being on a trial about Skymo on the the Gladys ICAC trial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so imagine them going to him like. Um, yeah. Oh, no, maybe not by the game. What's the other guy? Well, the other guy's like, I'm something of a leftist myself yeah. when it comes to economics. Is it, is it was it Jake, Jake Scott? Was that yes, his name? yes. Yeah. Good memory. Wow. Yeah. That's him. And um, so, yeah. Imagine- yeah, we won't repeat his other comment that he had. <laughs> <laughs> imagine if they uh, asked him, did the 2019 election speak volumes of ScoMo's character and <laughs> <or> all? <laughs> Clearly, it's been set. So, the jury catches wind of this. Interestingly, and the story gets even better because one of our subscribers was on the jury. Oh, wow. that's cool. I've reached... So he left a comment on the Bjorki Peterson video saying basically like this video only scratched the surface of how corrupt the Bjorki Peterson regime was. I was one of the jury foremen for... Oh, sorry, not the, I was one of the jury jurors on the trial, but we obviously didn't end up going to trial because they, they, they gave a mistrial for it. I did ask him, I'm like, mate, please get in contact. We'd love to interview on the pod mm. and get like, just hear what it was like. I don't think I've heard from him yet. So yeah. if you are listening to this, this, this podcast, please do get in touch. We'd love to have you on the show. Mm. And what happened was we went to a mistrial and they're like, oh no, he's too old. Bjorki Peterson's too old. So like, yeah, it's too traumatic. It's too old. How old was he? Uh, early eighties maybe or late seventies. No, yeah. no, probably late seventies. So he's just like, all right, retirement. Yeah, like, and a couple yeah, of years got before, in, got out. Couple no of years harm before, done. Yeah, a couple of years before he wanted to be prime minister. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So you're like, far out. Like this guy's bulletproof. He's invincible. Yeah. And the thing that I didn't mention as well was Bjorki Peterson was even stronger than John Barilaro when it came to suing unfavorable coverage of him. Mm. So he, one of his kind of primary control methods was basically to have his lawyers look through 
anything that might be slightly not true mm. and or the person couldn't prove that it was true and he would take them to court. And again, he can kind of bankroll all of this because he's super rich and he just, basically, and again, for a lot of news, news outlets, the threat of defamation will get them to shut up because they don't actually have the funds to... They can't afford to lose $800,000 in a lawsuit. Mm. Even though they might win the lawsuit and but even paying the lawyers and just the time that it consumes, it distracts the the media outlet from the job. And so there was a lot of coverage that kind of didn't really go to air because news outlets were really afraid of being sued by him. Mm. So that, I should mention that, in the 90s, Bjergi Peterson got a pretty easy ride from the press mainly because he still had money and could still take them to court. And they didn't have concrete proof that he himself had was doing any of the brown paper bag stuff. And so it kind of kind of goes under the radar. And we go, if I'm not mistaken, I believe 2006 was when he passed away and he gets a state funeral. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> My gosh. I was, as, as you were talking about the perjury thing, I was thinking again, like, you know, they, they got Al Capone for tax evasion right in the end. Yeah. But they didn't, that's like they they didn't even charge Al Capone because he got too old. That's what's happened here. Like even the perjury wasn't enough. Um, well, even in the Noriega episode, they got him on drug trafficking rather than murder and he got let out in Panama. He lived a pretty easy life when yeah. he was returned from France. <laughs> wow. So what did what did John Biocchi get up to in his- Joe? In, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so John Barilaro, I'm still thinking about. What did, what did Jobo get up to in his- you know, his later years when he was out of, or not in jail. He's so him and Florence then lived a pretty quiet life in Queensland. I actually don't know down. Which, which suburb it was. Yeah. But yeah, and basically he went on, went on the news a couple of times and did a couple of guest appearances. But yeah, no, he lived a life of, of relatively quiet life for the kind of decade That's and a half wild. after he retired. That is wild. Was like the population kind of aware of his dealings throughout his sort of tenure as in charge and just like, oh, well, there's nothing we can kind of do about it. Yeah. So kind of they're like, they didn't know the details, mm. but clearly you can see what's happening on the street corner. Like you go past kind of the really like seedy parts of Brisbane and you can see the brothels getting a free ride. Mm. And everyone knows something's up. Um, again, most of Queensland are not voting for Bjorki Peterson. So most yeah. don't have a favorable view of him, but there probably isn't because the media, um, were media were afraid to go after him because they might sue him and also because we had federal coverage that was kind of a bit better than than, than the queensland state coverage we knew that there wasn't quite the kind of glamour that gladys had when she was clearly taking part in corruption with darren mcguire mm. and again again not to sound like friendly geordies but there's just no other way you can really view it when you know the crimes she's admitted to doing mm. and the media is like Oh, another loss of a brave yeah. woman. And you're yeah. like, what? What? She loved too much. And yeah, Gladys <laughs> is going to be a topic for another day. Can we have a premier who trusts so <laughs> willingly? Oh, yeah. And what was the Time magazine cover? The woman who saved Australia. Yeah. Like there wasn't quite the propaganda machine from all of the press, but definitely those in conservative media were strongly supportive of, P of Peterson. And most people knew that it was pretty corrupt, but they couldn't quite prove it. Because the, the police, like, and most people knew that, like, if you slip the police a bag of brown, uh, a brown paper bag of money, you could get a fair way with that. Mm -hmm. So they knew that, that it existed, but they just didn't know the extent of it. And the Fitzgerald Commission basically proved probably what people had a hunch about. Mm. Wow. What a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. I feel doing, I feel like we need to do more state politics because there's, <laughs> there's some insane stories that just go completely uncovered mm. because it's not federal parliament and it's, you don't do your prime you don't do your premier's unit the same way you do your prime minister's unit in year six mm, yeah. and yeah. there's some there's some crazy stories particularly from the 80s and the 90s like eight, late 80s early 90s in new south wales is pretty pretty wild mm. um and so i'm really keen to keep doing some state parliament stories yeah. but let us know what you would be keen to do you can follow us on twitter at mr mitchell history podcast on twitter we are now going to leave this chat, but there is another chat about to come. Mm. Make sure you tune in. We're going to talk about footy tazos. Oh, wow. I'm very keen for this chat. So we might leave it here. Mm. I'm excited already. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Darren Wait, but how, how do they listen to the footy tazos? Is that is that here, Cam? Oh, no. So you need to subscribe to us on Patreon for just $1.50 a month. That is 25 cents a week. No, that's 30 cents a week. I don't want to. Uh, 
Oh, I, sorry for my Laps. deceptive advertising there. That is 30 <laughs> cents a week. And you can get access to all sorts of bonuses, such as extra podcasts. You can choose an imposter to include in the main video. So when I did the Bjorki Peterson video, the top commented one was, was Michael Clark. And so Michael Clark was the National Party Prime Minister, <laughs> National Party Premier from the 50s to 60s. So Very you can good. choose whoever you want. And we will see you if you decide to support us on Patreon. And we can talk about footy tazos. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Adios. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.